This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Hello, everyone. I'm Clint Yates. Thanks for joining us today on the Author House Line. It's a story that combines elements of romance, fantasy, and suspense, yet was completely grounded in the real world. The book we're talking about today is The Good Die and the Bad Live On. It's written by Jonathan Dennis, and John joins us today from the uh, Author House Line from his home in London. Hello, John. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Pleased to be talking to you. So you've got a little bit of everything in in your book here. Let's let's start from the beginning. Why did you decide to to write a book in the first place? Uh, I've always been very interested in uh, writing and storytelling, and uh, even from a, from a very young age. And I've always I've always quite liked uh, kind of long long yarns and uh, kind of spun out stories. Um, and this particular uh, this particular uh, story was inspired by a song, which I guess I, I, I first heard when I was about 15, mm-hmm. uh, a Black Sabbath song called N.I.B. Uh, the title doesn't really mean anything, but it, uh, the, the song is actually about, um, it's about the devil falling in love. Uh, and that idea kind of stuck with me for uh, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered how you could write something uh, along those lines. So that's that was my that was my inspiration. What wow. would that be like? Well, wow, a little Black Sabbath. Huh? So we don't want to be spoilers today as we talk as we talk about the good die and the bad live on. But there's some things I guess we need to point about. You're you're talking about the devil as one of your main characters here, and in your book, the devil is not what we might think of as a man. It's a woman, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, in, in my book, um, the, 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 the devil is uh, just a, a, what you might think of as a, a, as a regular girl uh, and meets the, uh, the main character, Matt, uh, while they're at university studying. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't immediately know that she's, uh, she's the devil, but she's a very striking, striking character. She, he finds her very intriguing um, and kind of you know, very quickly falls in love with, with her and I guess works very, very hard to, to, to try and make her fall in love with, uh, with him as well. So it uh, all kind of goes, goes from there. I want to be careful with this next uh, question, John, but I know you have children, and, you know, is the devil based on any particular woman that you know? <laughs> I, be careful with that one, I think. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll choose my words carefully. Here. Um, no, it, 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 it's not really based on uh, on on anyone in particular. Uh, I guess there's been uh, people in my life at, at, at various various times, um, and you know, ups and downs as, as you have with uh, with in any relationship. And it, 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 I, I probably base the character on a, on a, on a number of uh, character traits from, from from people I've known. But you know, by and large, it's it's a uh, it's a novel. It's it's uh, it's it, it is fiction. So it's, uh, I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to pin, pin the blame on any uh, on any individual. <laughs> now, but Matt, on the other hand, is he a little bit like you? Does he come from some of your life's experience? Yeah, I think that I think it would be fair to say that uh, there's a lot of me in uh, in Matt, the main character. 
Um, I took lots of the uh, the things that were incidental to the story, so not the things that really drive uh, the emotions and things, but the, the 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 kind of physical things, so where the book is set, where the the character grew up. I took those from from my own life, uh, so cheated a little bit, if you like, uh, but really it enabled me to put it in a setting that I knew very well, and then I could work on the on on the fictional elements and and kind of feel more comfortable. Uh, with, with with that. Now, in in your in your novel, John, I mean, you have the devil, you have this love story with the devil, but in some of the material that I've read about your book, it was really your aim to to make this a real world kind of story. How do you reconcile those two kind of you know this real kind of out of the ordinary story and and put it in real world setting? So I guess the the, the story really is um, it, 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 for me it's just it's just a love story. It, it's about uh, a, a guy who who meets a girl, falls in love with her. Um, they have quite a uh, tempestuous relationship right from the very start, um, and it, it 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 kind of bowls him over. He finds it very difficult to uh, kind of focus on. On, on all the, the kind of regular things in his life, but he still has them. He still has his has his football team. He still has his has his work at university. He still has his friends and uh, a, a kind of social social network. But he has this um, fantastically uh, disruptive, uh, positive as well as negative, uh, but, but this the fantastically disruptive relationship which he uh, he has to deal with. Uh, throughout the book and and the story really is about how that relationship uh, affects him so your story john from from best i can understand this isn't a children's book this is is pretty much an adult book wouldn't you say yeah i i, I think so and I, I don't think there's, there's nothing um i don't think there's anything that would offend uh anyone you know say over 14 15 years old um, so I'd, I'd, I'd say that's probably the youngest that you'd, you'd want to be reading it. But uh, uh, you know, anything up to, to, to you know, I guess twenties, uh, thirties, uh, up to, to, to adults. And it, it, it's surprising where you get the uh, the, the kind of positive feedback. Um, you know, I've had uh, obviously both good and, and, and bad feedback about the book. But uh, you know, people of, of, of all ages have, have said good things about it. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to see how how different people and different um, different types of people, I guess, different ages and, and and things have reacted. The book we're talking about today here on the Author House Line is "The Good Die and the Bad Live On." The author is Jonathan Dennis, and he is uh, with us today on the Author House Line. Uh, John, I know this is your was your first book. What was the most difficult? Thing for you, I know you took a long time before you finally put this thing out for for people to read. Yeah, I think um, I guess there's two things. I mean, I, I've in, in the from the time I started writing to the time I published, um, I got I got married, I moved, I bought a house, and, and moved once or twice. Uh, had two children, um, so I had all those things going on as well as a, a, a career and a job and, and things. Um, so that that meant the, the the time I had available to write was was, was sometimes very constrained. Um, I think also uh, I, I I can be a bit of a perfectionist, and I went through uh, you know a kind of multiple iterations of, of, of reading, 
correcting, rereading, correcting, and changing. Um, you know, sometimes just the individual words, and, and I kind of, I guess, uh, just just got hung up on that on that whole process. Uh, but I think that that was a bit of a, a, a kind of learning experience for me. I'd like to, you know, it, it, my next works, I'll, I'll definitely try and try and make them. Um, Certainly, make them quicker, um, <laughs> but you know, really try and get them out uh, in, in a kind of maybe slightly rawer form. Yeah. Well, as you were putting this together, John, d- did you have any other writers that strongly influenced what you're doing, or that you kind of modeled yourself or used as mentors as you sat down to try and write your first book? I, I, I did. Yeah, there's there's a few um, writers whose whose influence that that you, you you may pick up. Others probably not not so obvious, but. Um, Charles Bukowski was uh, was was one of my favourite uh, writers. I love his very very simplistic style, um, and the you know the the the, the way his uh, his dialogue is uh, is constructed. So I really focused a lot on on creating convincing dialogue. Uh, there's also a British thriller writer called David Peace, who again uses uh, dialogue and and, and very um, kind of uh, chopped language and, and, and kind of short bursts of uh, dialogue and, and, and description to build tension uh, and there's, there's very much um, one thing I really admire about him and I wanted to try and recreate in, in my book was the uh, the kind of changing pace um, so there will be there will be you know uh, there will be sections in the book which are uh, you know reasonably descriptive of, of, of fairly mundane things and very quickly the, the the pace will change um, through a situation or, or something happening in the book, and I, I really try and reflect that in in in, in the writing style. Now you mentioned a, a minute ago, John, you're thinking about working on contemplating a second book. And when we were talking before we started our our interview, you said it might be a children's book. That's a that's almost a complete reversal of of the good die and the bad live on. Is that what you're looking at as your as your next project? Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, it's, it's, it's probably intentional, really. Um, I, I spent so long immersed in the characters of, of, of Matt and Liv. Um, lots of people ask me about uh, kind of sequels and things, but uh, I want to do. I want to get away from, uh, from from those characters and write something quite different. Uh, and as I mentioned, I've got I've got two uh, young boys myself, uh, and reading reading stories to them and. and Doing things that, that all dads do, I guess, go on bike rides, playing sport, and, and things like that. I'd like to, I'd like to, to write something that, um, you know, maybe maybe children their age could enjoy. So that's that's my next that's my next project. Mm, terrific. Well, I had, just had a couple of more questions about Matt and Liz. It's really got my curiosity up. So. Liz is the character Satan, the devil. I mean, is this a horror story or is it a suspense story? I mean, that's what we usually, you know, stereotypically put in our mind when we think about a a story that involves Satan. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's a it, it's a it's a romantic thriller. Um, it's it, it, it's not it's one of those books. I think you can read and you can interpret. Live. Uh, Live ostensibly in the book is 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 the devil, um, but you you can read it and you can say maybe that's not real, maybe that's an apocryphal kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and she's not literally the devil. She's just someone who turned Matt's world 
upside down um yeah. and and i kind of i want to deliberately want to leave that uh, open-ended because i think the best novels or the best stories <laughs> are those that can work on on a number of levels so I guess then that begs the question if Liv is in, in some sense the the devil and she's having this love story that you've described uh, with Matt, are they going to have a future together? Can they have a future together? Is that maybe a sequel to this book somewhere out there in, in the future? Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd love to, to, to have the time to uh, to write a sequel and I think one day I will go back to uh, go back to these characters because you know, I had a lot of fun uh, you know, write, writing this book and, and exploring the, um, you know, where the characters uh, built were built and, and, and developed, um, and I'd love, I really would love one day to see it on uh, on the screen, maybe the small screen or the or the big screen. I, I, I've tried to, um, you know, I've written it in a very kind of filmic visual way, uh, and I think it would work. I think it would work well on the on the screen and. You know, once people see it, I think you know the momentum tends to build for uh, for, for, for sequels from from that point on. <laughs> hmm. Wow, sounds sounds fascinating. Again, the name of the book that we're talking about today from Author House is "The Good Die and the Bad Live On." The author is Jonathan Dennis, and he's on the Author House line with us today. John, let's talk a little bit about you. Where can people go to learn more about you? Do you have Facebook, blog, website where they can learn more about you, about the book? Uh, where where can people go? Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a Facebook page uh, under the, the the book title "The Good Die and the Bad Live On," uh, and obviously there's, there's a bit uh, of information on the Author House website, on the Goodreads website, and also uh, a small amount on 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 Amazon dot com and dot uk. Uh, so yeah, all the all the usual places, I guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet got my own uh, got my own website. <laughs> what well, I guess to uh, John the the normal places, uh, Amazon dot com, Author House is that where they'd go if they folks just wanted to to get a copy of the book. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I, I think you can get the first ten or twenty pages on uh, on on Google Reads as well. Uh, it's, it's kind of fairly standard, and they do with. Uh, with ebooks these days, so if anyone wants a taster and thinks you know they'd like to, they'd like to try it, that's that's a good place to just get a, get get a small section. All right, terrific! Thanks for being with us again. The name of the book is "The Good Die and the Bad Live On." Jonathan Dennis with two N's. That's D E N N I S. If you wanted to Google, look up the Facebook page with the title, or of course Amazon and several other websites out there. John, we look forward to your next project, and thanks for being with us today. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Take care. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. 
Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Bonnie Weather, and the author... Terrence O'Brien, and he joins us now with his wife, Mary O'Brien, all the way from Wales. Hello, Terrence. Hello. Great to have you with us, and hello, Mary. Hello. We're uh, grateful to have you on Author Talk. We want to talk a little bit about, in general, what Bonnie Weather is about. I guess it's a little about or all about your view of life. Would you say that, Terrence? You, you kind of view the world through your, you know, you're kind of a, uh, you enjoy a good laugh. Let's say it that way. Yes, yes. And I, uh, I, I see to always meet people who make me laugh. And so, so stupid. <laughs> and so Ambrose Bonnie Weather, who's the main character in your book yep. titled Bonnie Weather, he's a man who has his own way of doing things, and he just likes to. Would you say he likes to be the center of attention? Absolutely, uh, for no for, for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, overall, what would you say the theme of your book is? I've often wondered, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's really, it's really, it's really, really, I started writing it to amuse myself. I can laugh out loud when I'm on my own, you know, and things like that. And then I, and I met idiots like this <laughs> that I've worked with and, and left with. This really work. But um, no, it, it seemed to be a, 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 a different way of looking at a comedy, you know. There's people that take themselves way too seriously, and Ambrose Bonnie Weather is one of them. Very much so, yes. <laughs> Very much so, and and one or two of the characters are rather pompous and uh, and silly. They, they don't know they're silly. They don't know they're pompous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like telling the emperor who thinks he's wearing a beautiful set of brand new clothes yeah. and he's naked, right? Well, tell us. Most people make me laugh uh, in the sense that. <laughs> I'm a snigger a bit. I'm in waiting rooms and things like this, and overhearing conversations and whatnot. It's not nice of me, of course. Well, before but, uh, we before we learn more about Ambrose Bonnie Weather and the other characters in your book titled Bonnie Weather, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Terence, and uh, you know how the book. A uh, little bit more about how the book came about. Well, that's um, I'm elderly now. <laughs> And I thought it's an easy way of making a living, if it's possible, to get to sit and write. And so uh, I thought I thought I'd just to write something funny and see what see what how it came out. You know, picking a, a sort of sort of various characters that I bumped into, and uh, and uh, run from there, as it were. And it, it, the book wrote itself. Yeah, that's what happens when you let, allow these characters to start talking. They start. S- yeah. Yes, they don't talk and realize that they're talking rubbish most of the time. <laughs> but you're, you've got a very interesting career, too. Uh, you've done a lot of different things. Tell us a little bit about what you've done. Well, most money, of course. Uh, well, I, 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 I suppose 
Well, well I started off, started off as, as I've said in, in the book, in the, in the book uh, I was in the Navy as a boy, a boy seaman, uh, Royal Navy, and uh, and we spent most of the whole four years down in the South Pacific, uh, your neck of the woods, making you safe. And I did a number of things, uh, uh, various jobs. Um, uh, uh, have you got the book in front of you? You have, yeah. No, no, no. If you look at uh, the page that does about the author, it will tell you many things that Terence has done in his life. He's, uh, he's been a very adventurous gentleman, I can assure you. Without knowing that one. He did things like leaping from aeroplanes with a parachute. But it was just for money, just to uh, bring money home to put uh, bread on the table, as it were. That wasn't his job, he just did it because every time he jumped out of an aeroplane they gave him 50 pence, so... <laughs> it was it 50 pence? Two pounds! Two pounds! Oh well, my goodness! That's why I kept volunteering! <laughs> yes! <laughs> at, that, at that time, you can imagine it was a lot of money. That he's been on... Uh, he took a, a python on, on to... Uh, oh, that, was, that was, that was a complete error. I didn't realize... I thought I, I was taking a prototype with python from a zoo for the BBC. To, and to I, television. I thought it was going to be television. Yeah. Instead of that, when I got there, it was the radio. And then when I took it, when I took the five out for a second, everybody scattered. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little job getting it back into the sack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm amazed how, how terrified some people should get up nothing. But um, what else do you want to know? I went down well, you've been a, you've been a very serious business. Uh, owner, you've yeah, employed well, a lot of people. You've been in the market, uh, the stock market, yeah. the market trader, and done a yeah. lot of different things. He did. A, he did a great deal of, of good when he was younger. Actually, with with uh, youth uh, employment or unemployment, as it were, then um, helping young people to um, get into work. People who were in inverted commas unemployable and. Uh, and he created businesses for them so that they could actually have an opportunity along with the, the rest of the, the people, you know. Yeah. And he did very well. And the government even offered to finance him at one point with it and yeah. uh, to create, uh, yeah. you know, a place for young people to the work. The cooperative, yeah. The cooperative, yeah. And uh, so, yes, he's, he's done very well. He's a good man. I know he laughs at jokes, <laughs> but he's a very good man. He keeps that others a great deal. Well, my way. <laughs> well, tell us about a little bit more about Ambrose Bonnie Weather. Uh, tell us about you know yeah. what he does and why he thinks he's just uh, a little bit better than other people. Yes, you see, he floats above other people in every sense. He thinks well, actually he's an idiot, but that's <laughs> not of that. It makes him even more uh, unusual, shall we say? But. Uh, and he, 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 he just assumes that he's better than everybody else. And of course, he's, I love so. But I, I've worked with people like this who talk utter rubbish and think that they've been giving me a wise lecture. <laughs> that sort of thing. Now, now is he is he a pet detective? Yes, he's, he's, he's a... Well, to refer to him, he's had the courage to set, a, set up a business, business, one-man business, 
as a, as a detective who was, uh, was, uh, will find lost pets, which seems to me to be an unusual occupation to think of. And uh, so um, I, I made a colour it all, you know, draw it. It's difficult to talk about these things in retrospect, you know. Um, it, it, I, I meant the book to be funny. Or I put it this way, I meant the, I meant the situations in which the characters found themselves. Right. It could, it could be either funny or very, very serious, but I've not done that much serious. You know? So one of, his, one of his good friends is Roy Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell he's, he's the main idiot, actually. He's <laughs> <laughs> a classic doorman at, at the museum who uh, 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 thinks he's gone almighty, you know, and because he has to clean all the offices every night. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and it's so easy to laugh at. That's what I think, anyway. Uh, when I've met such people, and I can sneak of a hand at that. He has this great passion for Beatrice, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Bonnie Weather's secretary is, is, is an upmarket lady, young lady, uh, who, who did the, the, the doorman, the, the clerk. Jenkins, right? Jenkins, Jenkins, Jenkins is. Um, is madly in love with much to her horror because she comes from a very upper class family, you know, has her own horses and things like that, you know. And uh, <laughs> it is well, he's an idiot. And um, he can't realize the reality of the situation. That's what it boils down to. And then you have the trainee, Errol Billington. What role uh, does yes. he play? Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> He's really the only, the only wise one in the whole book. Yeah, he's the only one with any intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was fed up at school, and so he just chucked everything up. Uh, you know, and he, he wants to become a detective, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and so he's, well, he's, he's discovered Bonnie Weather, and, uh, and, and then Bonnie Weather's particularly was a very special one in finding lost pets. And, um, Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's there really as the, uh, the rich thing between the fools and, and, and the wise, the wiser people. And, and, the, and the plot deals with the loss of of a cat. Yes, yes. yes. Who has a name like any other female, like Norma. Yeah. Which is not the sort of name you give to a cat, and this because of that name, it confuses an, an awful lot of the characters into thinking that Norma is a person. They don't realise that Norma is a cat, and it really does put everybody in difficult positions. That doesn't. Well, yes. So, as you put it, it ends up uh, with a total comedy of errors with a froth of sexuality culminating in total confusion and new discoveries within themselves by all the characters so they're all learning through this process and and uh, And I hope at least every every, every second or third page you can laugh out loud these people because they're so silly but they don't know they are (laughs) That's most silly people around. But um, anyway, it's uh, it's amused me to just go on and on. They were picking on bits of people that I've known and, and uh, watched. <laughs> and Terence is a people watcher. He likes to sit on the bench and, uh, and watch people go by. 
and after me sat on a bench when other people are there um, and li just listen to their conversations and uh, he comes on with some funny, funny things that he said on part benches and people yeah. talking to one another. And sometimes he, he takes pieces of those conversations and puts it into his books. He's written five now, five now. Well, I, I, what the, strip, the thing I'm rather proud of is that I, I didn't start writing until I was 84. Mm. I never knew I, you know, that I could or would want wanted to, but I've enjoyed it enormously. And I, I think that makes me a different. Oh, yeah. You have a new career at your, your experienced age, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, at least I'm in the definite position that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, I mean, people who don't know what they're talking about. Well, it's a delight to get to know you, Terrence. Terrence J. O'Brien and his wife, Mary O'Brien. And the title of the book is Bonnie Weather. What's the best way, Terrence or Mary? How's the best way to get the book? Um, well, we've got a, a website, of course. Um, what is it? No, no. <laughs> it's gone out of my head, fancy not knowing that now at this point. Um, yeah, we have a, a, a website, and uh, or uh, you can contact us um, as you have done now, um, or on our um, email address, or you know, anyway, really. What's yeah. the What's the website? Give us that website. The website is, mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's all, it's all lowercase, and I think yeah. it's tjobrian.com. Yeah. I'm not sure, I think it's tjobrian.com. I can look it up for you. When T that happens. T J O Brian. Yeah, all in lowercase. Right. Dot com. Okay. There are a lot of tjobrians who are awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Terry's is all in lowercase. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Author Talk. That's okay. But you're very welcome. I'm sorry it took so long for us to get this uh, organized, actually. But uh, as our telephones went down and the internet went down, and uh, we had lots and lots of trouble with BT trying to persuade them it was their fault and to get it fixed. So, but that's what caused the problem. But now, it's all up and running and everything's fine, so we shouldn't have any further problems. No. And it's nice, nice to talk to you. Yes, it is indeed. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If you come to the UK, you'll have to come and uh, <laughs> on, and visit with us. You can okay. come and stay over and we'll guide you to where you need to go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for the invitation. Well, best You're to you. Very thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Oh, we've enjoyed it. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. 
Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Forget Me, Not Garden. Our author, Anna Fisher, joins me from Kansas. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Well, honored to visit with you. Your book is a relatively a short read, 144 pages. Share with my listeners what your book is about and how you got the inspiration to write it. Um, well, my book is about the Grim Reaper. I brought the Grim Reaper and other characters, such as the Seven Deadly Sins, into person form. I wanted to give them personalities and kind of give them life. Um, it takes a, takes place with a boyfriend and a girlfriend in year 1968, and I just made them regular high school sweethearts. So it's always been together and you always gave each other support. It's kind of a romance novel, but I wanted to add some twists to it. I made it around Halloween time, and I made it this so they went to a carnival for oh, laughs and memories that they always went to together. And that's when I brought in the um, seven deadly sins, such as envy. Hmm. And I wanted to make it so that he brought him apart. That's I just an intro- wanted to add some fantasy to it and some action to it and have him go into a place called Land of the Dead where Ed- Edward loses em- Emily and he has to do a lot to get her back and give up a lot, too. This is an interesting concept. Now, have you always been a writer or thinker of scary movies or scary thoughts, scary uh, ideas, concepts? Or is this something that was new to you? Uh, Well, I always kind of had dark thoughts here and there, but I always wanted to give my um, books happy endings, too. And this one does, too, in some way. I always loved to um, write, even ever since I was little. Um, one of my fondest memories is when I was a little girl, I'd um, sit in front of the TV drawing up little cartoons, and I'd have my older sister always read over them every time. But this is the first time I wanted to try and publish a book, and I just wanted to see how it would go. I had a lot of fun writing it, and I always loved to write. Well, Annie, how long did it take to write this book? A lot of authors will take anywhere from, you know, two weeks to 20 years. Uh, This one, how long did it take? Oh, I started in August, and I finished up in about January. And that's when I went through the whole editing phase and turning it in. And that was a whole new experience, too, for me. Phenomenal. And do you you keep journals by any chance? Some of my authors uh, journal and keep track of personal events in their lives and incorporate them into into their stories? Oh, I think that's an awesome idea, but this one just came to me through inspiration, and I just kept on writing it. Um, I'd take breaks from it. Some nights I would write it more than others, but I have, um, if I've been caught at work or anything, and if I have time, if I have a sudden idea, I'll write it down on a piece of paper and keep it in my pocket until I get back um, so that I can write again. Um, it's fast. It's fascinating how how authors come up with storylines and and concepts. I had an author I interviewed last week that dreams all of his stories, 
and for some reason remembers his dreams and puts them on paper and then incorporates it into a storyline. This one, did you have an outline to begin with, or did you just have a basic idea and begin writing and everything just flowed from there? Oh, ever since I was little, I always would get um, words or phrases or emotions even caught in my head, and I can't get them out until I write them down or type them out. And so with this story, basically I formed it around just one sentence. And um, I thought of one sentence and thought, you know, that would be good in a story somehow, and I formed a um, whole story around it. Incredible. And it just kept adding to it. The, the title, Forget-Me-Not Garden, is there some significance to that particular title? I love Forget-Me-Not Flowers. They're really pretty. And I thought, um, with Halloween coming up, and um, it's considered um, the Day of the Dead, I just thought with Forget-Me-Not Flowers, they kind of rem- they kind of symbolize something. And so I just wanted to bring them into the story and incorporate them as a symbolization for remembering um, that's where Emily would go to rest after she was taken away from Edward is um, Forget-Me-Not Garden. And the flowers are the way that they won't be forgotten. I, I thought it was an, an ironic turn of phrase when you said I uh, talked about the Grim Reaper and I wanted to bring him to life. Uh, that uh, caught, my, caught my attention. When you were writing your book, did you have a particular audience in mind? Is this something that would appeal to, uh, say, a younger audience, or is this a little more mature read? Oh, I probably wouldn't have a little kid read it, but it could be for younger adults or um, adults, too. I just aiming for um, anywhere from mid to upper um, adulthood. Was, was there any message that came through at the end of it? A lot of times an author will set out to write a story and just kind of wander down a, several different paths and really not know where they're going. But then when they look back on the finished product, say, oh, there's an underlying message there. Was there one in your book? Yeah, um, it's really a romance novel, but it's about kind of true love. Edward has to give up so much to get Emily back, but I kind of think that's the way it should be for someone who loves someone so much. And that's how it is for all the Grim Reaper and everything. Um, As a full-time night shift nurse, death is always sad, I think, but it's not always bad either. And when you love someone, you should be willing to give up anything for them. As you completed the book and looked back, was there one scene that came to you, and even though you might not have planned to write it, it showed up in the final pages, and you think, wow, that's a pretty exciting scene. Is there something like that that's going to stand out to your readers? Probably the end of it. I have a lot of action um, there. Um, there's For Edward to get to Emily... He has to pay a pretty big toll, and that's to fight the original Grim Reaper. But um, I wanted to add action to it. I love romance, too, but it's always fun to add some action scenes in it. And so towards the very end, I have a pretty brutal fight going on between them. And there must be some scary things that happen during that fight. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. He's kind of got a... The Grim Reaper, I always, I just brought, thought of his original thought. I mean, he has so many images over so many different gears that I thought I'd just keep him in simple form. I gave him a black coat and a massive scythe, and so I used that as the main weapon. And Does he have, um, does he have human form by any chance, or is he one of those uh, kind of obscure but 
undefinable, but you know what it is kind of characters. Yeah, I went ahead and gave him human form. I changed his appearance a little bit back from when he was originally alive, but I went ahead and um, gave him just a dark coat and boots and just went and gave him a scythe. But I kept his original person just so that everyone could be able to recognize him. To introduce this to someone, I'm sure that since you have completed this and become an author, and hopefully you will become an author of note, uh, as you've introduced this to maybe some of your friends, neighbors, or people in the town, that uh, this book has been completed, how did you introduce this book to them? Um, at the hospital I work at, I pretty much went running in with a, like a little kid with my first book, saying, look at this, I wrote it. And the ladies at work um, are always really supportive, and so it started spreading from there, and they started um posting it on web pages like Facebook and letting my old high school and um, college friends know and my family started spreading it around, just that sort of stuff. Have you started to get some feedback from those who have glanced at its pages? Yeah. Um, some, um, yeah, everyone on Facebook and my coworkers, they've been letting me know what they thought of it and I've been getting some really supportive feedback and it means a lot to me. You've come up with, I guess, it's a fictitious town, Maple Valley, Washington. Or is there a real Maple Valley, Washington? That's a real town. I um, like that state for some reason or another, just a random pick when I was starting to, um, when I was starting to type it. So I um, did a Google search, basically, on all the towns in Washington, and um, that's one that stuck out to me. Um, I picked one that wasn't too big or too small back in the year 1968 and um, just went from there. The carnival at um, October is a uh, fiction, but everything else, I try to go with the original landscape and everything. Any particular reason why 1968 stood out in your mind? And also, uh, what was your fascination with the seven deadly sins? Um, since 1968... Um, I was thinking of the song, I was kind of inspired by the song um, Nights of White Sand by Moody Blues. Mm -hmm. That kind of, I like that song, even though it's pretty darn old. But it came in, it got into my head, and I thought, I wonder what year that song was made. And so did a Google search, and I found out what year it was, and I think I went with a year after that. I think I'm, and... Um, I kind of incorporate that into my book, too. Wanted to include that in some other songs I liked back from then. And The Seven the Deadly Sins. Are you participating in any of those? No. 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 Well, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not. Um, I think I everyone <laughs> does by some way or another, but I sure don't try and practice it. Um, oh, gosh. What inspired me with The Seven Deadly Sins is yeah. I'm, they're just kind of scary to think about and um i kind of think everyone has one main one or another and it kind of exists in everyone but i wanted to make this a strong book that includes really high morals between right and wrong and good and evil and so i thought what if i could actually make a human being and make the one of their sins into a um one of their core beings. And so that's what I did with Envy. I created him and made him into a person, but um, and I made complete jealousy and envy and into his core, and that's what separated him and Ed, um, Edward and Emily. Fascinating. There must have been some challenges in getting this, your first book, published. Uh, were there any that were difficult, or did it 
fall in place pretty quickly? Oh, um, I went through Author House. I was really happy I did. I thought I just they did really great helping me out. Um, I had a family member suggest that um, author place, and I thought, and I got a hold of them and downloaded a brochure when I was first starting to type out my story, and they got they contacted me, and through there we were able to work everything out. But it was also new to me, but it was a good experience. It just was very um, new to me at the same time. As an author, new writer, were there any other challenges as far as the storyline? And if so, did you overcome those and uh, maybe decide to do a sequel? Yeah, um, I always, um, every once in a while I'd hit a block and everything, typing it out where I would go to type it and just didn't like what I typed and would go back and delete it. But as far as, but I, for the most part, I had an idea of what I wanted to write, and so I was able to keep going at a pretty steady pace. Um, and as for a sequel, I have had people asking me about it. When I turned it in originally, I didn't really consider um, making a sequel, but now I think it'd be kind of fun, and so I have kind of have an idea for a sequel in mind, too. Anna, what makes this book different from others out there that are in the uh, fictional category? Um, there are a lot of darn good books out there, but with what I wanted to do was I wanted to make a, have a lot of emotions in my book. And it's a short book, but I wanted to pack a lot in there. I wanted to pack a lot of romance and action and fantasy. And I wanted to give crazy ideas like the Grim Reaper and the Seven Deadly Sins Life. And even though death is always sad, I wanted to make it not necessarily bad either. And um, I wanted to just add that all together and make um, make love. It's really kind of the main emotion going here is how much sacrifice are you going to give just for that one person and um, for the Grim Reaper and for Edward it's a lot of sacrifice but I think in the end they always agree it's well worth it Congratulations on completing this, your first novel, Forget Me Not Garden. Our author, Anna Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. For those of you who want to do a search online or maybe look up uh, a fan page on Facebook. Anna, where do my listeners get copies of your book? Oh, you can go and do it through Author House website or any other online bookstore. It's also available on Kindle. And um, I'm getting my blog page all set up, and you can order it from there, too. And the title of your blog page, do you have that yet? Yes, it's um, ForgetMeNotGardenAnna.com. Thank you, Anna, for joining me today and uh, for sharing the background story into the uh, exciting new novel, Forget Me Not Garden. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker.